Hey, Steve Burgess back. Thanks for listening. This is another Real Estate 311. Today, I'm here with Andy Camp. The, the one and only. The president of Cutler Real Estate. Andy has no idea what we're going to talk about, so I'm going to blindside him. That sounds great. Let's do it. So, I thought we would talk about business and real estate locations. Okay. How do you pick them? What different industries require different things, whether it's office, retail, flex space, warehouse. So, you as a company have... 12 offices, roughly? Before the pandemic, we had 22 offices. We are now down to 12. Uh, and Let's get you closer. In all likelihood, 11 by the end of this year. So the big, the big debate is, you know, what is post-pandemic with hybrid work environments? What is a real estate company's need? And you know, the bottom line is looking at leveraging co-working spaces, I think, is the way of the future for real estate companies who are relying on a sales team of independent contractors. Then because of technology, because of a variety of different things, they don't have to come into a office every day anymore to be highly productive. Well, and for the most part, if they come to the office every day, their clients aren't in the office. It's their co-workers fellow agents correct and you know you you look at so much was forced to forced to online during the pandemic you know people's shopping and 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 buying habits and and everything changed and so you know you even today you don't see very many walk-ins and in most of our uh traditional locations after two o'clock in the afternoon the only walk-in traffic that you see are either FedEx or UPS delivery drivers either making a delivery or picking up in the afternoon. Yeah, that makes sense. I know me as an agent, I want access to an office. I want to be able to print. I can scan at home. I can print here. But I want to print, have access, place for meetings. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. But even meetings is kind of – you can do it at a coffee shop or somewhere else. And I think the – I think for many businesses, the whole concept of regionalization is going to be more and more important because, you know, in real estate, for instance, residential real estate, but it applies to commercial too, you know, you don't have such a small niche that you need one local office. You you know, you're going to be selling homes in a broad range of areas. And and so the idea of, of a traditional real estate company having offices in every one of those nooks and crannies really is a a way of the past, you know, looking at a regional office that um, draws on more of a, let's say, a 10 or 15 mile radius, as opposed to a two to five mile radius. Um, you know, I think that that's what you're going to see. And I think that you're going to see that w- with a variety of different businesses. Um, you know, really the the back to work um, campaigns that many of these corporations are, are going through right now is simply because they can't get out of their leases or they own the buildings, not because it's it's not a know, need, not a need, right? It, it's not creating higher productivity. We've always been here for their clients, right? It's it's we own the building, we need to fill it, and we can't get our heads around having an empty building that we still have to pay for while all of our our employees are are home being highly productive in an environment that suits them. Although I will say, sometimes I know for myself. I need to get out of the house sometimes to be productive. Sure. So just to get a little mojo going. And hopefully people are doing a good balance of that. I think so. I mean, I think everybody is still 
uh, trying to figure that out. I think employers are trying to figure out what it what what it's going to take to create a positive work environment. Um, I, I really anticipate 2024 being that that kind of final cycle of people getting more back to normal than they ever have prior to the pandemic. New year back to the old style? I don't know. It's the old style. I think, I, I think there's a lot of lessons that people learned during the pandemic. I think there's a lot of change that was forced upon every industry. So, you know, I think people have come to terms with many of those changes. Um, and I think 2024 is where you're going to see people, you know, getting, getting on with their life, getting back to normal, putting the, the pandemic in the, the rearview mirror. And that comes to businesses, too. So, you know, you look at a, a new business that's expanding, they're going, to have, um, they're going to have a variety of different options in the commercial space uh, in some areas. And in other areas, um, commercial space is super tight and, uh, and be, you know, being Depends sold on the market. at or at least at a premium. Correct. Um, you know, so I, I think you're going to have a re- one big challenge that I see is, um, and it, it, it's it, it's a parallel between residential real estate and commercial real estate. All the properties that have aging baby boomers, buildings are too big for tenants. Maybe there's a significant uh, vacancy rate in a, a building, or in residential, it's a large home. Uh, and they're empty nesters and they don't need that much space. There's deferred maintenance in both of those kinds of buildings. And that's going to be a huge challenge when they make the choice to sell those homes. Because, you, you know, you look at what's being built today with so many more in, uh, amenities and it's in such, you know, better condition. Um, that deferred maintenance, I think, is going to be a huge factor in valuations um, with those properties. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see also what happens with the market if a company during COVID was stuck in a three to five year lease. Mm-hmm. Now they've had time to assess their needs and right size. Twenty four may be the year they start right sizing, mm-hmm. and it also could be an interesting year with investors where, or even commercial loans where, the five year resets come and due from twenty nineteen if they got a loan. So their interest rates are going to change, and how's that going to affect it, whether it's an investment property or their commercial space for their business. Well, the reset is a is an interesting example because you, you know you look at depending on the health of the business and how thin their margins are. If the reset goes from a two and a half percent interest rate to nine and a half percent, you know there's going to be some real conversations that I think some of these uh, commercial lenders are going to have to have uh, in in terms of um, you know. Businesses going out of business, REO uh, opportunities. Um, you, you know, you, you look at receiverships. I think are going to sharply uh, go up, uh, just simply because you know the many businesses thrived after the pandemic in twenty one and twenty two, and now th- they're coming back down to earth, and they're going to have to face some some pretty scary realities. How how much are banks willing to work with these businesses? Yeah, well, especially if. If their reset comes, I think, first quarter, maybe second quarter, because they're talking three rate drops this year. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. When? So anybody first half of the year getting a reset, they're going to go from two and a half or three and a half to seven, eight. Depends where they're at. Right. Depends what their lender wants. Well, and I, I don't anticipate. I mean, I know everybody's really excited about the rate drops. I think we're going to see three rate drops, but I think it's going to be they're not going to start until July. I don't see yeah. that they're going to do anything the first half of this year. So, 
you know, you look at, I think, the first Fed meetings in March. Um, I don't anticipate there being a, a rate cut in March. Um, you know, so you're looking at the second half and what that's going to shape up to be. I still, I think, in general, I think from a real estate perspective, you're going to see uh, more of a, a check mark kind of hockey stick recovery. Um, we'll we'll close more business on the residential side this year than we did last year, um, but it's not going to get anywhere close to the normal 5.4 to 5.6 million housing units sold a year. Yeah. Probably for the next three years, or, you know, re- regardless of rate cuts. But what it is going to do. If they do, in fact, do three rate cuts and you see rates dip below five, um, is we're going to see massive competition for homes. We're going to see multiple offer situations. We're going to see escalation clauses. We're going to see price increases uh, because there's simply not enough inventory, available inventory, uh, you know, for the buyer demand right now. Yeah. I saw an article and it's, I'm not sure where I feel with this. I don't, I'm not sure I agree with it, but it said if rates drop, Prices will drop because more inventory will hit the market and there'll be more competition for sellers. So, yeah, I've, I've read similar things, and I think that's completely backwards for the next 10 years. You know, you, you look at Ivy Zellman in the Zellman report. You, you know, she has advocated that we're not in a housing shortage. We have a glut of, of housing. Um, and she's going to be right, you know, in... 2034, 2035, 2036, when all the aging baby boomers pass away. Because, you know, Gen X and millennials or millennials are coming into their household formation years, but there's going to be too much housing, but that's going to happen 10 or 12 years from now. You know, right now, rates are going to go down and there's still three to five buyers for every available listing out there. They just, the buyers cooled their heels because they had sticker shock with the rate increases. And the sellers cooled their heels because they're worried about where they're going to go. Right. You know, and you look at where they're going to go, you know, you go back to that baby, aging baby boomer we talked about with the house that's too big, the empty nesters. Well, there's no downsizing in this market right now. It's more of a lateral move and they're going to go sell their big home for, let's say, $600,000 and they're going to go buy a condo for $600,000, you know, so that, that windfall that, you know, many generations before have, have realized when they sold their home, you know, as they age, um, really isn't happening right now in spite of a lot of the equity that's, that's, um, been built over the last three years because of all the competition. And that's simply because new constructions become more and more expensive. Um, you know, so you see, there's a, it's not that simple. I don't think there's a lot of different factors that are contributing to the current um, the current residential housing market. But, you know, for the next 10 or 12 years, it will remain a seller's market. You're going to continue to see price appreciation, probably not as out of control as 2021. Um, but who knows? Uh, you know, I, what I do know is this. Rates getting below 5% are going to um, empower buyers uh, to come back into the market I would expect that we would see an uptick of inventory, but keep in mind, you know, do you know what, what a normal market and in number of months of inventory is? I want to say six, but yeah. So five to seven months yeah, is, which is, is six is, average. Yeah. Is an, is a normal market. So anything below five is a seller's market. Anything over seven is a buyer's market for you know, residential, for residential. Right. Yeah. So, and you go back to the housing crisis when we both were selling real estate and, doing everything we needed to, to do to stay in the game. And in Northeast Ohio, we had 16 months worth of inventory. In Central Ohio, we had 18 months worth of inventory. Well, what is that? It's the biggest buyer's market you've yeah. ever experienced. 
you know, during the pandemic and the and in 2021, we had 31 days worth of inventory. You know, nationally, I think it was 42 days worth of inventory. Right now, it's it's hovering right just below 60 in the state of Ohio. That's still a seller's market. You know, so the article you read, it, you know, you would have to see inventory triple, yeah. available in, inventory triple in order for us to see prices go down. And where is that going to come from? Where is that activity going yeah, to come from? I don't from? see a price decrease. No, I don't either. Unless that, that market it's in is dying. Well, I mean, you know, so the condo market in San Francisco is, is, is in decline. Yeah. Um, that was an, ins- you know, I was on a, a webinar with a, a real estate data analytics company. You know, there are, there are some price decreases happening in certain parts of Austin, Texas. Um, but that's very situational. You know, there's a lot of different factors of why um, condos in San Francisco are, the prices are going down. Um, you know, you, you have some sections of major cities that are seeing price declines. But I think that's more situational rather than a trend that's going to affect residential real estate nationwide. Yeah. What's interesting, kind of a side note that, that ties it together with back the office space, we were t- when you were talking earlier, I was thinking, all right, some of these people are going to downsize. But maybe that third bedroom of the kid's bedroom is now the home office. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to downsize. They're going to turn that home office or turn that bedroom into an office. They're going to work from home. They're going to put more money into their house. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to stay there. Well, one of the interesting trends from an um, interior design uh, standpoint, you, you see it all over social media, is homeowners actually putting finishes in that third bedroom to make it really look like an office. You know, look, I mean, having glass doors and doing other yeah. lighting finishes and things where it's not just setting up a desk in a spare bedroom anymore. You know, people have become custom, you know, accustomed to working from home, and they're bringing in the resources necessary to have a very comfortable, very professional uh, work-at-home environment. Hmm. Be a good time to be a contractor and focus on those those people. <laughs> Absolutely, because finding good contractors is difficult. Of, of course, I mean it's gonna, you know, all of the trades, uh, you know, roofing, plumbing, HVAC. You know, that's going to compound the challenge that we're experiencing on the residential side in terms, and I I would imagine on the commercial side too, in in terms of the cost of building uh, a building or building a home. Um, You know, all of those contractors, you know, all of the trades are at a premium right now because we just don't have, that's where our shortage is. We just don't have enough of them. Yeah. College is going to take a second step back and hopefully get more youth in the trades and Hopefully. I mean, it it has to happen because, you you know, you're going to see, I mean, you go back to, um, you know, talk from a commercial perspective, what is Intel coming to central Ohio going to do to other commercial development in the Midwest? When you're talking about 10 to 12,000 commercial construction workers needed for that one project with Intel um, and there's only 4,000 commercial construction workers uh, full-time in the state of Ohio. So what is that, what's the compounding effect of that project with other commercial development that's going to go on in the region? Well, every development, right? Commercial, residential, yep. apartments, single family. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to drive prices up uh, in nearly every aspect of new construction, whether it's commercial or residential. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, we started with office needs and switched in the real estate residential market. But, I thought um, we were riffing today, so we are. <laughs> you know, we're going to have another one. I want to. We're going to our next one. Let's talk about some site selection. Okay. So 
deal in all different businesses. So anyway, Steve Burgess, Andy Camp. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one.